0: Welcome to The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. It's Friday, and we are talking about the mixed reactions to President Joe Biden's Fund the police executive order. We have to talk about the controversy surrounding a Brooklyn bishop who was robbed of $1 million during his sermon. And after 14 years of planning, the long-awaited Jackie Robinson Museum is finally opening to the public. And this just in, folks, Will Smith's Apology. How do you feel about it? The Business of Being Black is yet another round of the political and trending highlights of the week with my Friday political analyst, Ed Sanders. Hi, Ed. Hey, Tammy.
1: Good to see you.
0: Comedian and filmmaker, Alicia Cooper. Hey, Tammy. Y'all feeling the way I'm bringing y'all in? Y'all feeling that? i'm I... loving it <laughs> and <laughs> guest starring for dr oleka and dominique de are friends of the show political commentator and contributor for redstate.com it's jeff charles what's up jeff hey nice to be back and conservative journalist and commentator john miller is here up, Hi, John. how you doing I'm doing wonderful. So Monday, President Joe Biden delivered a message to the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives about funding the police across the nation. Take a look at this clip.
2: The executive order modernizes policing. It calls for a fresher, fresh approach to recruit, train, promote, and retrain law enforcement that tied to advancing public safety and public trust.
0: Well, um, for months, President Biden publicly opposed the slogan defund the police and vowed to fund law enforcement agencies as part of his administration's Safer America plan. The initiative contrasts with groups, politicians and celebrities who have demanded police departments be defunded due to corporation or rather corruption and police brutality. So what will it take to improve the relationship between the police and black and brown communities? Oh, 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 I know. I know. Can we go? Can we go? Oh, can I go? Uh, how about just not having racist police be a part of the force I don't know how you you know measure that or how you figure that out but you know sometimes when maybe a police officer's uh, dash cam uh, is seen uh, with the police officer calling black people by the n-word that's a good sign that they're probably racist but okay it's it's not for me to discuss it's for me to moderate and you to discuss so let's get with it John I see you smiling over there what you got
2: I I would say maybe don't murder people, maybe don't rape people, maybe don't commit violent crime, and then you won't have to worry about getting arrested. I think that of course there are situations where you get some a-hole police officer. I have seen those videos where they are saying racist slurs, but those are very individual videos that are found on the internet. In the vast majority of cases, we have a crime problem in the black community. And we don't want to address it. We keep on blaming it on the cops. We keep on blaming it on poverty. We keep on blaming it on everything. But the fact that if you don't commit crimes, the likelihood of you being arrested and even encountering a racist cop diminish exponentially.
0: Diminishes. But you did not say it ends there. And we have a crime problem in America, John. Go ahead, Jeff.
3: Yeah, I mean, we do have a crime problem in America. Uh, the crime problem, however, does not excuse agents of the state who abuse their authority. But the, when, it, when you bring race into it, it's not always easy to tell whether an officer is racist. If an officer abuses, let's say it's a black man, we don't know if he does it because he hates black people or not. What I do know is what they're doing is wrong, and agents of the state should be held accountable when they exceed their authority. So yeah, let, let's let's deal with the crime issue. There are plenty of black people out in the streets trying to deal with the crime issue, but let's not let these cops
4: off the hook law and order applies to the police as well alicia let's go absolutely law and order applies to the police as well but what i'm upset about is the whole slogan defund the police really was bastardized and it should have been called something different It reimagined policing any uh, uh president who appears to be light on crime and not tough on crime will lose votes so this is why Joe Biden is standing up saying what he's saying. He's trying to appeal up to a wider tent. He's trying to appear tough on crime. He's doing what he can to attempt to get reelected. And we all know what that's about. But yes, uh, for me, if you want to find out if a cop is racist ahead of time, they can always figure out anything Black people are doing. They ran all up in the Black Panther's house. But if you want to find out if they're a uh, uh, prim- uh, racist, I say strap them up to lie detectors and ask them certain questions. There's ways that they can uh, root out this racism if they really wanted to. It's just racism and white supremacy benefits them.
0: Wow. I don't know when you say uh, everyone, uh, you know, has to fall to law and order, a law and order applies to everyone. Mm, eh. Not police officers. There are rarely consequences when police officers break the law and particularly when they break the law in uniform. Uh, Ed?
1: Yeah, no, I I think I agree with, with. Uh, a lot of what's been said already. I mean, when you look at crime in America, um, I think the number one factor really is the economy. When the economy starts to falter, you see crime go up. Um, I think President Biden is is making an effort to show um, some progress in trying to combat crime by, by talking about training and funding for police departments. My issue with that is that he's decoupling that from police reform. Um, still sitting in the Senate and, and unmoved is the George Floyd Policing Act. And, you know, I would love to see if you're going to talk about training for officers and increasing support for officers, we've also got to talk about the reforms. And the George Floyd Policing Act needs to move forward because those are some common sense uh, uh, reforms that, even to the group that he was speaking about, the Black law enforcement executives, they've endorsed that bill already themselves.
0: I hear a lot about training, but uh, listen. There's no way that training can touch the heart and what somebody feels in their heart. And so you can have all the training in the world. But if you don't like black people, (laughs) if you don't like brown people, if you don't like hell, if you don't like white people and you're a black cop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even want to make it about black people at this moment. If if it's in your heart to hate, there is no amount of training that can rectify that. Not only that, when we talk about training, we just recently heard about the police department who had to apologize because they were using photos of black men to train police. This is not about training. It never has been, and it never will be. And it's about a personal decision that a police officer has made. Of course, here we go with the whole there are a few bad apples and the you know, we got the green apples and the red apples and the rotten apples, yada, yada, yada. The problem is how do we stop these apples at all and make them police officers who do right and who do wrong and just get an enema for the ones that do wrong? That's, like that's everything really you're ass- saying is
1: what's here. in the George Floyd Act. Everything that you're saying is, is there. I mean, one of the issues that's been highlighted is, is how officers, there's a need for a registry because bad officers can leave one department and move to another. Um, and, you know, the, these are things that are on the table that have been talked about, right? Like, again, this is an act that's already passed the House and it needs some action. Um, all of those sorts of things get stymied. And to your point earlier, you know, training is just sort of a, you know, it's a—it's almost like a political playbook where there is a, a an issue with police. The easy response, whether one party or another, is to say we need more training of officers, and it, it's a cop out, in my book. Yeah, you. its,
0: I don't aesthetics. Agree. I agree with it's simple I agree with aesthetics. That. Go ahead,
3: go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, because I mean, we, we talk about defunding the police. I mean, and. It, having fewer officer, officers on the street isn't the answer. Most Black people don't want that. But I don't think the issue is training. The issue is a lack of accountability. So if these officers know that they can be held accountable, then fewer of them will do the things that they do, whether they're racist or not. That You just said it earlier, Tammy, most of these officers don't face charges when they commit crimes or when they over or or when they abuse their authority that has to change
0: yeah john and do you right, at least agree right. with do you at least do you at least agree with the accountability of officers john I, here i
2: agree with the accountability of officers i i do think we should also remember that there are for many of the police killings you have a black cop and a black perpetrator and so i don't know if it's about race i do know that it used to be that you kind of knew your local police office, you knew the policemen, and the police knew the community well. The police knew, oh, this guy is just going to the corner store. He's always there making a racket. He's not actually dangerous. You know, the police knew who was that's doing the neighborhood point. and who did what. And I think that's very effective because what you have is police coming from all over the place. They don't know who's doing what. They see a black person because blacks commit crimes at a higher rate. They think, okay, well, this person is naturally more dangerous because of the things that I've been taught. And so that's what you get. So I think that if you have police who know, who are trained and kind of locally aware of the things that are going on, that would help a lot. But I do agree with the accountability factor as well.
0: Yeah, Black women are the most to educated rid- in America, but I don't see them uh, stumbling, knocking down our doors to give us jobs. Uh, but at any rate, let's sort of move on. The
1: familiarity of police either, by the way. I mean, you know, for for long stretches of time, you look at the New York Police Department. You know, they struggled with recruitment of African-Americans that had largely been sort of an Irish Um, um, job profession. And, you know, police unions kept African-Americans out of that position for years. And so, you know, when it comes to policing the African-American community, I I don't know that I could ever say that, you know, we've always known the cop down the block, you know, we've known who they were and what they were doing to us. Um, And that's always been known, but I can't say they were always,
4: you know, policing the community in a way that we respect. And we need to get rid of qualified
0: immunity. I think that would help a lot of this stuff too. I wonder about qualified immunity because even though it exists, I wonder if... If they reversed it or if it did not exist, would it still be something underneath that's a silent kind of rule for police officers? I've wondered about that often. So Virginia Jenny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, could be subpoenaed by the House January 6th Select Committee if she refuses to voluntarily testify about her involvement in the attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, 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 is all I can say about this. The committee wants to speak to Thomas because she posted on Facebook amid the Stop the Steal protest to express support for the attack on the Capitol. So the question becomes: Do you believe Jenny Thomas played an active role with the people who planned the attack on the Capitol? And do you think she will voluntarily? testify. (laughs) Don't go away. I cannot wait to hear our panel talk about this one on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. We'll be right back, y'all. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today are the political and trending highlights of the week. Let's talk about Virginia Jenny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas could be subpoenaed by the House January 6th Select Committee if she refuses to voluntarily testify about her involvement in the attempt to overturn the 2020 presidential election. The committee wants to speak to Thomas because she posted on Facebook Amid the Stop the Steal protest to express support for the attack on the Capitol. So do we believe that she played an active role here, Jeff?
3: No, I, I see no evidence that she played an active role. I mean, first off, the FBI already found that this there was no conspiracy. This thing wasn't planned beforehand. It was something that happened spontaneously. And those people are being punished, some even more probably than they, than they should be. But with Jenny Thomas, I, I, even if she does testify, there's not going to be really anything there. I, I really don't believe so. These hearings haven't shown much except for conjecture, rumor, whatever. I, I don't think that this is going to go anywhere. I think this is just a, a politically motivated attempt to attack Trump, to attack conservative because Democrats don't really have much to run on in, in November.
0: I've often thought about this whole January 6th committee uh, and the way that it's 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 unfolding here. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I'm sure that the the committee wants Clarence Thomas's wife there to show uh, something about Clarence Thomas and how he our own Supreme Court may have a skewed view uh, when it comes to to, to cases, but. I've also thought that this is really harnessing in Trump's fans. I mean, to find out during these committee hearings that Trump tried to get out of the car and go to the insurrection or riot or whatever it is you give its name. uh, uh, And he fought. He choked the driver and was like, let me out. Let me if I were a Trump fan, I'd be like, that's my guy." He was trying to fight for us. He almost choked a man to get to us. They wouldn't let him. That's who I'm voting for. That's who I'm running with. So I think these committee hearings are really just fueling um, a fire that's already within uh, the Republican Party who are fans of Trump. I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I-, I think for the Democrats, it could be a bad thing. For Republicans, uh, your-, your guy's probably going to win again. John, what you say? What say you, well, John? Is first this- of all, I, Is-
2: I do want to clear up because you said in your interview that Jimmy, Jimmy Thomas expressed support for the attack on the Capitol. Just to see what exactly she said, I want to be clear about her tweets or her okay. Facebook post. It said, love MAGA people and God bless each of you standing up or praying. And that was posted in the morning hours of January 6th. So I think it's important to be clear about the fact that she didn't go out there and say, go get them,
0: go into the Capitol, go tear them It is down. important now, to note, you're absolutely that. right
2: she expressed, God bless you guys for praying. So I think even PolitiFact said there is absolutely no, and PolitiFact, they're basically Joseph Biden stenographers. They said there's no evidence that that Jenny Thomas was involved in plotting and planning this attack. So I think it's important to just get that out. First of all, Uh, when it comes to Trump, we have these, these testimonies that say that he tried to, he tried to wrestle down the driver and tackle him and say, I'm going back we don't know how much credibility those have. The Secret Service agents said uh, we're willing to testify opposite of that and say that didn't actually happen. So we don't know. But I do think that you're on to something, Tammy, when you say uh, that that does connect to the base. When the base here is that Trump is willing to go into the crowd and say, I want to join, too. Uh, that's a level of connection that Trump has with his base that a lot of other politicians, a lot of politicians are, I don't want to, they have dirt under their fingernails. You know, that's what a lot of other politicians are like. The fact that Trump was willing to get into the crowd. And I don't think that he thought it would get as out of hand as it did in terms of any violence uh, and any um, sort of harm done. But I think he's a man of the people, ironically enough, because he's a billionaire that lives in a gold apartment and goes to the bathroom on gold (laughs) toilets. but. He's willing to get in there with people. People love that about him. It
0: they people. fold his toilet paper right after he uses it and makes <laughs> those nice little creases. Yeah. <laughs> Alicia, go ahead.
4: We need a third party. And Jenny Thomas just gets on my nerves. People like her need to leave God out of their mess. And they are finding proof that she uh, they, they found 29 text messages between Jenny Thomas and Mark Meadows discussing uh, overturning the election. So um, they're still looking into this. Um, I think she's going to need to be subpoenaed. Um, I just don't trust her. Uh, She was in a cult before, and I think she's right back to her old cultist ways because these algorithms will jump on what you like and they will keep sending it to you. So it's easy to get suck back into a cult when you have that in your history anyway and you're predisposed to cult-like situations but um yeah this is who clarence thomas picked you know i want to know what his what his mac move to her was Uh, is that a pubic hair in your coke? What was the wrong for that? Wrong for that? Why you? Why you got to bring up the past? Why you got to bring up the
0: past? Maybe she's
3: into that kind of thing. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Ed, what what are we gonna do here? Is 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 Sister Jenny? Is is, is Sister Jenny any help to this committee?
1: She is, and and first things first. I mean, we, we just gotta clarify some of the facts here. I mean. Alicia, you touched on it. What's that issue isn't necessarily her Facebook post, it's it's her access to the White House. And what we've seen through the January 6th committee is person after person in the office is starting to come forward and they're validating conversations that they've heard about the president and, and his intent of the day. And you never can forget the intent of the day. The intent of the day was to overturn the election results, was to stop the certification of the election. And trying to stop that is criminal. And what we've heard from person to person around the president is that's the case. Now, where Jenny Thomas is important is that you know she has relationships with conservative funders. And you know, in anything that you investigate, what do you do? You follow the money, right? The money tells you who's doing what. It's why there's been a focus on the Proud Boys, because they are funded. And within the context of the January 6th riot, you could see actions that they were taking to to spark the crowd and get the crowd going. And that was coordinated. And so if Jenny Thomas is texting Mark Meadows, who is the chief of staff to the president of the United States, you have to wonder what the conversations prior to that were. Um, Her access to funding, her ability to, to mobilize groups is of concern. She should come forward with transparency. There really shouldn't be anything to hide.
4: So yeah, then, didn't she pay, about, didn't, but didn't she pay for about. buses? Didn't she pay for buses to get them to January to sure. the Capitol? Didn't That's Jenny support. Thomas
0: pay for buses? That's important. Um, Let's talk about Mark Ponder. Um, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that people who are uh, were a part of the January 6th insurrection uh, have been punished. Uh, You know, or not, whichever way it goes. Some have some been punished too harshly. Well, Mark Ponder, a black man who was arrested for taking part in the January 6th insurrection, has received five years in prison, one of the longest sentences after attacking, attacking a Washington, D.C. police officer with a pole. Uh, The federal government requested a six-month prison term for Ponder on Tuesday, which they got, and the judge added three additional months. While the case against Ponder is evident, many people on social media are questioning whether he was given a lengthy sentence because he's a black man, Jeff.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know about that. You know, it's just so
0: ironic, though. It is very ironic. ironic.
3: Yeah, like how does, like, like they're defending, they're, they're saying that a black man who is obviously pro Trump and they're defending him because I, I don't know. I, I never would have expected to see that coming. You know, I looked up the sentence in DC for assaulting a police officer. I mean, you can get a sentence of up to 10 years. So I don't know if this is an excessive sentence or not. I don't know all the details of his particular case, but I wouldn't be surprised to see because these cases are still ongoing. Not everybody's been punished yet. So there may be some who are punished more than he is. But it, it, I do think that there are some of these people that are
4: going to get sentences that are probably longer than they should get.
0: Alicia? He
4: shouldn't have took his Black behind down there. Uh, and, And when I saw him, I thought that was past Jamal Bryant. I was like, who is this? And this fool, no, he Black. No, he stood out in the crowd. He should have looked around so that nobody else looked like him that was out there and should have took his behind home. And yeah, he's getting a lengthy sin for being black. They threw the book at him and gave him three additional months. They, they, the, the white people get vegan options and everything else when they go to prison. And he ain't getting none of that. None of that. And that's exactly what he gets. I do
0: not feel sorry for him. Throw the book at his dumb behind John, John, John Miller, is this the racist Damn. situation? <laughs> well, first you have to remember that the
2: US district judge who gave him the additional three years, her name is Tanya Chutka. She's from Jamaica, all right? She's a okay. sister from Jamaica. So the idea that it's racist, uh, I, I don't know. Because just to be frank, he was acting like a black guy at the protest. He had a long rap sheet behind him. He was leading the charge. He was assaulting cops. He, I think he cracked the shield of one cop. He damaged the property and he had a criminal background. He was, uh, he had a criminal history of bank and armed robbery. And then he had a a drug history and uh, he was not the only one who was given that sentence. There was a guy named Robert Palmer. He's a white guy from Florida who was given just as equally of a long of a sentence. I got to take a a quick break
0: and we're going to let you finish when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black today are the political and trending highlights of the day, or I should say of the week. Uh, Of course, we have our political analyst, Ed Sanders, on board with us today. Also, comedian and filmmaker Alicia Cooper is with us. And guest starring for Dr. Oleka and Dominique DePrima are friends of the show, political commentator and contributor for RedState.com, Jeff Charles, and conservative journalist and commentator, John Miller. John, before we uh, went to break you were talking about how um the judge who sentenced mark ponder who was a black man a part of the january 6th insurrection uh was jamaican and you also said that uh he was out there acting like a black man but i want to make sure that you didn't mean he was acting like a black man because he had this long record because surely there are three black men on this show that don't have long records
2: (laughs) no and and and, and the thing is but as a black man i'm always very conscious of that like bro did you have to be the worst one out there did you have it's like the Oscars when the when you have the first produced Oscars and, and then Will Smith goes up there and decks Chris Rock you're like you know the reputation we have you know the optics you know the stereotypes can you not be the worst one can okay. you not be the So one that, that so
4: that's what you so that's what you meant John he was acting like the Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. When you said acting like a black man, I
0: got hot because my daddy. Uh, I think we both got hot. I think we both got hot, Alicia. I was like, oh, oh, oh.
2: (laughs) But I will say, but uh, Mark Ponder was not, I mean, he got the worst sentence. Ashley Babbitt got the worst treatment. She was the one who was shot in cold blood with no trial, no charge, nothing.
4: And so when you talk
2: about if this was a racial thing, I think that it's it's important to remember how some of the others were
4: treated. But a black person would have got shot in cold blood, sticking her feet through the thing, a uh, 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 locked door to. Well, he to was kill. assaulting. How he was assaulting too. cops. He didn't get shot. Yeah, but she she I'm saying if a black person
0: had done what Ashley Babbitt did, he wouldn't have pulled that gun back. Most we'll of them get, out there, but most, most of them, them out there were weapon. assaulting she cops did. and uh, most of them out there were assaulting anyone who got in their way. I mean, they were there to assault Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pence, the president the vice president of the United States. I mean, she was literally breaking a federal law by bashing her way into that building. So I'm not sure. She walked
2: through a window. I mean, there and this idea that all these people were there to cause violence. All these people were not there to cause violence. I think the vast majority of people. I (laughs) I think the vast majority of people went into that Capitol and they didn't know what to do when they got in there, and that's why they sat in the chairs in the congressional hall and they took selfies. I think that this idea that everyone there was this violent maniac and that they were actually going to take Mike Pence out to that that. Uh, noose and hang him from there. I think that's clearly uh, it was a prop. It's tasteless. But I think we need to differentiate between. Well, unfortunately, we don't
0: know the truth of that because Mike Pence ran just like everybody else in the Capitol ran. I don't think anyone yeah, and, and and around. I don't think anyone stuck around and was like, "Hey, how can we handle you everyone's problem here?" I'm sure most of you are not here, uh, you know, to hang Mike Pence. So let's have a discussion. Let's everyone sit down and have a, a proper discussion on what you want us to do. I don't think any of them thought yeah. that.
4: Right. No, well, I mean again, if the January 6th... Distinctions like that made, there wouldn't have been any distinctions like that made had there been BLM. Going in there on January, so they'd be like some of them just wanted to take some photos. They would have been like they were all violent extremists trying to take down the government. They wouldn't have. That's been not true because when was. when black people during that summer when BLM protested in the streets of
2: Minneapolis and burned everything down and killed dozens of people and millions of dollars, but in they weren't trying to overthrow the government. CNN when they, they said you're to mostly peaceful, the aren't government. these beautiful?
4: No, but they weren't trying to overthrow the government to get an election to go their way. Those are two different things. Those they were, at, they things. were they doing weren't. the exact they same were, thing. I don't those think those people black were literally people were in the, the, the capital. Company. If they were in the Capitol trying to overturn an election, I think it would have been a bloodbath. Who would have looked like chaos. If State.
2: you were going to overthrow the government, would you
4: have taken your selfie stick?
2: I mean, that's what you have to remember is that but a lot of them wrong. have
4: weapons. They <laughs> would overthrow, have overthrow the government. They have bare hands. I have. Have weapons. I definitely would have.
2: Like click, click.
4: I'm here. I'm here. If you're trying I definitely would have had chaos. You're not bringing. Let's move on, everybody. We'll never agree on this. We'll never
0: agree on this. Look, there were good people on. On both sides, uh, the federal investigation into I'm 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 going to help you out here, John and Jeff. I'm going to give you I'm I'm going to help you out with this one. The federal investigation into Hunter Biden's business activities is nearing a critical moment as investigators weigh bringing possible charges against him. Charges could include alleged tax violations and making a false statement in connection to purchasing a firearm that he was prohibited from buying due to his acknowledged struggle with addiction. Oh, my. Hunter Biden. Biden is at it. So what impact, if any, will Hunter Biden, uh, will his federal investigation have on our president? Jeff. None.
3: And unless they find out that President Biden was intimately involved in this stuff it's not going to have any impact and hunter biden isn't going to jail we all we all know this nothing's going to happen to him no matter what they find you know if he was a scumbag nobody cares nothing's going to happen it's not going to affect joe biden and realistically i don't believe president biden is going to run again in 2024 so really
0: the man said he's going to run jeff
3: i don't i don't care what he says he has to say that otherwise he becomes more of a lame duck than he already is so no i I don't think he's going to run again at all and even if he did hunter biden isn't going to affect him as much as you know the other stuff. You know, like being incompetent. Ooh,
0: out. Mm. Okay. about lame
1: duck yet. Uh, you know the the reconciliation. It's like barriers. I
0: agree with you. My president is incompetent.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, lame duck. No, he's he's gonna. You know, this this bill that's before the the country that that, that will move climate uh, actions towards climate change is going to be significant. So. Um, I think over the coming weeks, once we see that bill passed and signed into law, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it lame duck. Um, You know, Hunter Biden poses a problem for the president. Uh, You know, I I think they're, they're on the record of uh, while he was vice president that clients of Hunter were, you know, met with the vice president at the time. So uh, you know, depending on what all that means, I don't know. I'm sure Republicans will make a much bigger deal out of it than than it really is. Uh, if it's if it's a question of the purchase of a firearm, I don't know what the penalty is for that, but it, it probably is a fine. But he's definitely you know. a
0: prime target of investigation. If Republicans win Congress, that's for sure. John,
2: you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's certainly not going to affect Biden. If the FBI continues to cover everything up, if the Internet, if Facebook, if Big Tech, continues to go to the New York Post and say, we're going to cover the Bobolinsky story. We're going to cover the fact that Joe Biden might've been involved with the Chinese deal and the quote unquote big man took a 10% cut. If the agencies like the FBI continue to cover that up, then I don't think we're going to have any luck having to affect the presidency. The drug stuff, I don't really care about. That's Hunter Biden's issue. That's his struggle. That's his personal life. Uh, I see people on the conservative side making a big deal about the fact that he's a drug addict. I actually disagree with that. I think that if... Joe Biden's son is struggling with something like an addiction or something like that. That's a personal issue that needs to stay within the family and has no bearing on Joe Biden's presidency. I'm more concerned about the foreign dealings and the fact that Joe Biden might have had it might have known about it, might have been a part of it. That, in my opinion, is 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 more important. And the fact that you have law enforcement agencies like the FBI and uh, news agencies, for lack of a better term, like Facebook and Twitter, actively covering it up and squashing the story right in time for the election like they did in twenty twenty.
0: Mm, Alicia.
2: It's not squashing.
0: Go ahead, Ed.
1: I mean, the news story is all over the place, right? So, like, I mean, you can Google Hunter Biden. You ask who got elected. So so, I mean, you know, facts matter here. It's, it it just does.
0: I'm just wondering, does anything matter anymore when you're running for president? I mean, we've had, you know, we've run the gamut now. Does anything well, matter at all? Well, if we're, if we're going to start going after adult offspring of presidents and Trump
4: runs again, then we got to roll out Ivanka. We got to roll out Jared. We got to roll out Trump Jr. Let's go further down this bench. At the end of the day, if you can prove that Joe Biden did something untoward and illegal, then prove that. But I don't care what Hunter Biden does on his own time. That has nothing to do with what Joe Biden is doing. That man done tried to be president for 99 elections. He finally got it. Leave that man alone. All right.
0: Well... He got 99 problems, but the 100th election ain't won.
2: But okay. well, I, I agree with that. I think that Joe Biden's action matter. If it shows that Joe Biden was expecting a 10% cut of this deal with China and uh, other potential foreign deals, then that's a big deal.
0: So last week, the entire, entire police force in Kinley, North Carolina, resigned just months hey! after the after the hiring of its black female town manager. Now, Justine Jones was selected after a nationwide search of 30 candidates. She comes to the town of approximately 2,000 people and has 16 years of municipal government experience in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Minnesota. Two months after Jones was hired, Kinley's police chief, Four full-time officers and two town clerks, all white men, quit in a mass resignation, citing a hostile or stressful working environment. Is this yet another case of racial and gender discrimination here? John, that we need, on this? oh uh, I mean, I
2: I don't know, but you know, I know, we all know this woman who is who we who from the looks of it sounds like. She is a pain. She was fired and sued at her previous job in, in Virginia. She was talking about, well, they're, they're discriminating against me because I have an illness. We all know the woman who's talking about she's got this and she's got that and her ankles hurt and it's all racist and it's all because she's a woman. And You're sounding kind of this. misogynistic right now, John. Uh, I don't know if I like or, the context I know talk. men like that, too. I know men like that, too. <laughs> it's always everyone else's fault. It's always everything else. And the reality is that you can't stand being around her. I mean, why does she happen to find the only communities around the United States that are extremely racist? Why? Why can't she move to someplace that actually is not racist? It seems like she has. So you a do admit that there are racist people
0: in America, and there are whole towns. Are that are racist.
2: everywhere,
4: everywhere uh, she first goes. Of all, she's but, but John, this but John, th- this is a good thing. This is a good thing. We need more people to infiltrate these racist towns to get rid of racism. You're saying it's like, oh, leave them be and let them be racist and go where you want it. No, we need a hundred more of her. That place, not t- just a few decades ago, had a whole Klan billboard on the uh, uh, lifted up. This was a sundown town. So if if all these races leave and new people come in that aren't racist and have progressive blood and treat people fairly, that is a good thing, John. This isn't a bad thing. I'm glad she came and infiltrated the Klan because that's exactly what well, she we did. Don't, okay, we, we don't well, know we, that
2: they're the Klan. We don't okay, know. that it their was actions.
4: Racist. Their actions are Klan like. Their actions oh, are clan, sorry, like, and they We know they resigned like town.
2: because they, they said town it was a, has a history.
4: a Their town has a history. That's what they're going to say because they don't want a black woman in that position because they're racist. So what she did was a good thing and we need more people to infiltrate these racist towns and get the racists out of their jobs. I, I see nothing but positivity from what she did and I hope more people follow suit and I hope more people resign so that the good people can take over those jobs. Jeff?
3: You know, um, when I'm writing about the story, there's not a whole hell of a lot of detail here. I mean, I mean, I, one of the officers said that she felt like he was targeting, she was targeting him and writing him up a lot. Now, I don't know if he deserved that or not. We we don't have the details, so I, I don't know if this is all, all, if this is motivated by racism or what what have you. I don't know the history of these officers. I only know a little bit about her history. I think this wouldn't even be a story if she was a white woman. I mean, but what I do find weird about the situation. That town is 36% black, 36% white, 20% latino. How is that everybody on the police force is white? That that is a little weird. I'll, I'll, I'll Boom. Do that. But, uh, but shake 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 but again the room. <laughs> but we don't know exactly what, what happened here. For all I know there could have there could have been fine people on both sides of this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And well, what what caught me the most was that when they they say the whole entire police force, but then they often they it's been narrowed down to one police chief, four full time officers and two town clerks. So you mean to tell me that there are like eight people people on the entire force here?
1: It's a small force, but I mean, I I think what what Alicia was touching on and what everyone is showing is if you turn the lights on, the roaches are going to scatter. Ooh. And, you know, when you put Justine Jones in a, in an office of city manager and now there's a, a oversight and accountability, even over a small police force, you see what happens. If if and just play this out, if she was targeting one officer, great, that officer should have left. He should have been upset. I'm mad. I'm quitting.
0: Yeah, but yeah
1: the exactly. whole force left and, and just speaks to the values that they had. They left an entire city open unprotected and we're willing to do that just because because of this whole thing it just speaks to their vows of, of uh to protect and to serve
3: mm. yeah my, my problem with this is that they say that she created a hostile work environment but other than these write-ups I haven't seen them give any detail about what she actually did. That's why I'm kind of skeptical here. And I'm like, I want more information
2: first before I really. And I'm every, everywhere to she goes, people tend to not like her. And at a certain point, you have to, well, it could be racism, but at a certain point, you have to wonder if everywhere you go, people are like, oh, this kind of, I can't take this woman. And the entire force leaves and gets up and goes. Then that might be something about her and not everybody. Oh, else. Something about the force. Maybe John. they're jackasses. force. The yeah, she <laughs> was.
1: She was selected There's over thirty candidates. This wasn't like you know she was the lone candidate. They went through. A but this happened in Virginia, it. and it happened in North Carolina before that. Sure. In management, there are turnaround managers everywhere. You and you know when you've got a problem with with a police force like this, and it's been rampant. You can expect that if you install a, a, a new leader that is taking a force in a different direction, that yeah, there's going to be rough. Yeah. Boom, that's, boom, that's boom, shake
0: the room is what Alicia yeah. said. Listen, may the force be with Kenley, North Carolina uh, or not. Uh, we'll be right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac. On Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac, we love to help you handle your business. And there is no business like Bomba's. Bomba's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes Ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas design their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft. It's seamless, it's tagless, it has a cozy feeling. Oh, there's a pair of Bomba's socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options like comfy performance styles made with sweat wicking yarns, which means your feet Stay cool while the rest of you works up a sweat. Bomba's no-show socks are designed for comfort while being specifically engineered never to fall down. <laughs> okay? So let your ankles be free to soak up that sunlight. Bomba's t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right, y'all. And Bomba's underwear, oh my goodness. This so breathable and fits so well that it feels like you're wearing nothing at all in a good way. <laughs> I'm wearing a pair right now, and ladies, they do not crawl between your crack. I will show you, but probably not appropriate. So you'll have to trust me on this one. These ribbed seamless undies I have on right now, ooh, they feel so delightful. As a matter of fact, they don't feel at all. Uh-oh. Did I put them on? Hold on. Oh, hello. Yes. Mm. (laughs) I'm good. Better get you some of these ladies. And did you know that socks, underwear and T-shirts are three, the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? Well, that's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Gotta love it. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash B-O-B-B and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash B-O-B-B for 20% off. Again, that is bombas.com slash B-O-B-B. Got it? Okay. Bombas.com slash B-O-B-B. All right. On The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack, we don't just talk about it. We bees about it. Take care of your business with Bombas right now. Then come back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And The Business of Being Black today are the political and trending highlights of the week. Let's go here on a Sunday in Brooklyn. Yeah. On Sunday, uh, Brooklyn Bishop and his wife were robbed at gunpoint of one million dollars worth of jewelry while streaming his service on Instagram Live. Take a look at the clip, y'all. Yo, yo. All right, right, right. yo, right, right,
4: right. All right, right. Yo, all right, right.
0: Bishop Lamar M. Whitehead said the incident happened only minutes into his broadcast. It was initially announced that the value was believed to be around uh, $400,000 before being updated to $1 million. Many people question the validity uh, of the occasion and whether a pastor should own jewelry worth that much money. One person tweeted, what the heck? is a bishop and his wife wearing $400,000 worth of jewelry. Love how those donations go to help the poor. Hypocrites. Then another tweeted, I don't know why, but I feel like there's some sort of plot twist with this. Like it could have possibly been staged. What are your thoughts about this story? Listen, I don't know how many of you have actually seen the church. But I found problematic how the church look in comparison to them holding on to uh, millions of dollars in jewelry. And if you've seen uh, their other business, they own a lot of real estate and they teach real estate classes. So that could very well be where they're getting their monies from. Uh, Jeff, you look appalled.
3: I mean, I am appalled, but I don't really care about the jewelry. As long as the congregation didn't pay for that jewelry, I don't care if they have a business, they can buy whatever they want. I'm appalled at the fact that these criminals felt emboldened enough to go into a church while the pastor is preaching and rob them. There's something wrong with that here. I don't I don't know if it was staged or not. It doesn't sound like it to me, but what is going on in New York City where these people felt like they could do this and get away with it? I, I don't even know if they've even caught these guys yet, but what is up with crime in New York City? What are they doing about this? I mean, Eric Adams was elected on a law and order platform, but even if he arrest these people, will they just be let back out on the streets again because of this district attorney, Alvin Bragg? Like that, That's the issue that
0: catches my attention here. So my great granddaddy used to say something is afoot. Because uh, this just don't seem right. John, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I
2: would probably agree. Something just doesn't smell right about this story. I don't know what it is. It might be the pastor. People are saying, yeah, he's, he's a pastor pimp because he's got the jewelry. Wearing a million dollars worth of jewelry while you're preaching, and then also having that be the day that someone comes and tries to rob you on stage, something about it just doesn't quite add up. Something about it doesn't add up. And then you add into the mix that he's now being investigated or actually maybe even facing a lawsuit for allegedly fleecing someone of $90,000 in his congregation, $90,000 worth of their savings. Some, something's not adding up here. And he doesn't he doesn't sound like someone who needs to be up there preaching the gospel.
0: Yeah, something is afoot. Nah, something might not be adding up, but the million dollars in jewelry show added up. Ed? No, I mean,
1: that,
0: this is... Are uh, we praying for the pastor and the return of their million dollars worth of jewelry?
1: Hoping oh, his 15 minutes of fame is over, like, tonight. Uh, you know, it's it's the, uh, uh, you know, the story is, it, it's tragic. You know, he got robbed, whatever. Um, in the end game, um, he's got a congregation. I have no idea how large the congregation is. If, if they feel spiritually nurtured by, by his sermons, then great. But I, I'm with uh, Jeff and John on this. It just doesn't smell right. And, and I'm sure there'll be a couple other shoes to fall in this.
0: Alicia, I believe I know exactly where you're going and what you're going to say. So I'm going to shut up and let you say. Yeah, uh,
4: I'm with this. First of all, he falls into the category of John's stereotype of a black man. He has a criminal background. And I'm not, when he said that they came in and they even took the jewelry that was underneath his clothes. I'm like, how do they know you got jewelry underneath your clothes? And that one guy in the corner just sitting there like he watching a a, a Tyler Perry taping, you know, everybody, it's like he knew that this was going to happen because who doesn't hit the ground when some uh, armed men come in? If you have that much jewelry, why wouldn't you have a security guard at the, at the um, door? Why would you have armed security that you should pay for since you obviously have enough money to buy a worthless jury that you're going to sit up here in front of a bunch of people living paycheck to paycheck and flaunt in front of? So I think time will tell. This could be an insurance scam because he has this settlement coming up. He probably has more lawsuits down the way, and he might need the money. So time will tell. I don't know if it was staged. It looked fake to me. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. There's something not right about this whole scenario. Get you a security guard if you're going to wear that kind of stuff in Brooklyn during a recession.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds like someone going to Subway in Chicago in zero below weather for sure. Uh, Amen. (laughs) (laughs) certainly sounds that way. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about this apology uh, that has now been heard around the world, I guess. Uh, Will Smith has finally spoken out about Chris Rock. Yeah, okay. Uh, Will Smith has finally spoken out about him slapping Chris Rock and has officially and formally and publicly apologized. Uh, Let's take a look at the clip.
3: Uh, My behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk.
0: How do we feel about this, Alicia? Uh, We feel like Chris
4: Rock's legal team told him, don't you say a word so we get this settlement money. So, so, and I mean, I'm glad that he finally spoke out and said something. He said what we all felt the day that it happened. We felt like this was not right. This was, that they didn't meet the moment. And uh, he, even his son, Jaden, got on Twitter talking about this is how we do it. And I was like, first of all, what's the we? Secondly, um, what'd you do? And this is not how anybody should respond to verbal, uh, uh, verbal slight. You don't respond to a verbal slight with violence. And I'm glad that Will got a chance to sit back, really think about what he did, and come back and apologize. Because Chris Rock is in apology. And in his own time, he'll accept it and and move forward and do whatever he feels like he needs to do. But, yes, this is how a parent shows his children, even his adult children. This is how you lead the future, by doing the right thing. Jeff?
3: Yeah, I mean, I thought that he had already re- released an apology on this, but if he didn't, I also think it's a little weird that he waited this long to apologize, but that being said, better late than never. I mean, I, I can respect a man who can acknowledge when he did something wrong, which we, most of us thought that, that what he did was wrong, and I, I, I can respect him for apologizing. Seemed like he was sincere, so hopefully, we, you know,
2: we can move on from this.
0: <laughs> John? I'm on the same page.
2: I'm looking at my calendar. I'm like, it is August. This was what? This was February. February." You needed to make this apology the next day. There was no circumstance under which what Will Smith did was appropriate, was acceptable. Like We've been talking about this entire show, whether we deserve it or not, this negative stereotypes that are put on Black people. This was the first Oscars that was produced by a Black man. It was a big moment in the Black community. And this is how we're going to act. I mean, I think that he completely blew it. He blew the moment and he needed to apologize the next day, not in August, not the summer after.
0: Yeah, it wasn't. It actually wasn't the first uh, Oscars produced by a black man, though. Um, Oh, apologies. It's all good,
1: though. It's all good. Ed. Yeah, it wasn't very much to me. I mean, you know, in the end game. I guess he made a public apology. I don't know that Will needed to make a public apology. You know, he should have called Chris direct. This is something that should have been between the two of them. Um, you know, for all of us as fans, or whatnot, not trying to eat it up. To me, it's just another, you know, humbling of, of a prominent black man publicly. I don't think he necessarily needed to do it. He just should have called Chris direct on the cell. I'm sure they got each other's numbers.
0: Yeah, I I really did find it a a little bit problematic that this was made so public. And in the forum in which it was done, uh, it was like people were asking him questions and he was answering the questions that were being asked to him. It's kind of like this open forum. And he was giving answers to the most frequently asked questions. And I honestly uh, believe that um, sharing that he had tried to reach out to Chris Rock and Chris Rock wasn't ready to talk to him yet. I I think it, it... it, it, it gives people a chance to have an opinion about Chris Rock and how he feels. I think you apologize, say I'm sorry, and you move on. And when you and Chris have handled it privately, then perhaps together you go on and on and talk about whatever else that you want to talk about. But um, eh, as big of a fan as I am of Will Smith, I'm, I'm not sure that this was it. Um, but yes. The apology. We're all happy it happened. The museum honoring the legacy of Jackie Robinson will finally be open to the public on September 5th in New York. The 20,000 square foot space is designed to celebrate Robinson's accomplishments as an iconic athlete and dedicated civil rights advocate as well. It includes 4,500 artifacts and 40,000 historical images of the famed baseball player. It's I'm loving every single minute of it. In one word, how can we describe this for America, Ed?
1: Uh, It's important. You know, Jackie is an important figure in civil rights. Um, You know, with, you know. Ed, I said one
0: word. I'm going to take important. (laughs) In one word, John. (laughs) How how does America feel about this? Uh,
2: Nostalgic. Nostalgic.
0: I love it. Jeff, one word. Iconic. Iconic indeed. Alicia, you got the last word, sis. Historic. Historical it is. That is The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul.